You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. And with bated breath and anticipation, we would like to welcome you back to Thank You for Your Servers after a long, long hiatus. Been a while. It is me and Gary back again to talk about the tech topics of today from a liberty perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again Podcast Network. How we doing, Gary? Holla. Uh-oh. Sitting over here on the left coast, having a beer, enjoying this 80 degree early spring weather. Damn you to heck. We just had a little mini snowstorm earlier this week, and now we've started to kind of warm up. So we're in the balmy, but breezy 60s here in the land of enchantment, the great desert southwest of New Mexico. I am enjoying the temperatures now as we start to thaw out. So... This and all the podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again Podcast Network. Also, give a listen to the Mad Ones podcast over at the MLGA Network. They've had on hot fire guests like that. Here's Russell Hotep Jesus and Robbie the Fire Bernstein from Part of the Problem. They're you know, Cam and Jessica are killing it over there, so give them a holler. And with no further ado, let's try this again. Talking Intel. Uh, (laughs) So uh, Intel, we wrote the obituary for Intel a couple months back on on one of our episodes when it was rumored that Intel was going to begin selling its fabs off because it was losing money. It was missing deadlines. It's not it it wasn't catching up with the five to three nanometer chipsets and stuff. It was getting its ass kicked by Samsung and Taiwan Semiconductor and stuff like that. So. If you can't beat those guys when it comes to the foundry business, you join them. So not only is Intel ready to pick itself off of the mat and push forward with its seven nanometer chip uh, chiplet sets, Meteor Lake, to finish design in 2021 and to start manufacturing here in late 2021, they are investing $20 billion in a Arizona and two Arizona fabs. They're going to get into the foundry services business a la Taiwan Semiconductor, and they're going to manufacture whatever you want based on their x86 designs, ARM designs, and RISC-V designs. And so it's Mm. them wanting to become Samsung foundry, Taiwan Semiconductor foundry as part of their overall business strategy to reinvigorate the company and to get them back into the game. Will it work? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Um, there's there's a lot of risk associated with it. There's a lot of investment going on with this. Intel's still a very large chip manufacturer. They are still the top PC chip manufacturer. The fact that they're moving into foundry services makes sense. They don't necessarily. They've tried to be in the game 
that Qualcomm's in. They've tried to be in the game that um, other companies have been in and what the, or NVIDIA has been in. And what they have found is they're not terribly good at that. They are very good at manufacturing to a certain extent, though they had their, their manufacturing mess ups this year. So they want to not... They want to open up their ecosystem and to embrace other ecosystems so that they can better basically get into the game of Taiwan Semiconductor. Everyone from Qualcomm to even to a certain extent like NVIDIA and lots of companies literally go to Taiwan Semiconductor when they have a design that they license from ARM or license from someone else and they need it stamped out. They go to two foundries around this planet, uh, both in Asia, Samsung and Taiwan Semiconductor. Intel wants to be in that game. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, according to the new CEO, Pat uh, uh, um, Gelsinger, we're not getting rid of our fabs. We're, we're building more fabs. So is Intel getting out of the design game then? Or No, are they're they... still going to design their own chips. Are they really? They're going to design okay. their own chips. Um, what they are going to do, though, is they're going to open up a lot of their kind of patented x86 architecture designs so that other people can kind of iterate on them. And that um, I think they're, they're basically going open source so they can improve their product um, mm. when it comes to chip design. But at the same time, if you come to them with a ARM design or a RISC-V design and you utilize their foundry services and they build tools that make that easy, then they're, they'll 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 stamp it out for you, and I think that's a better strategy. Um, I think they've seen the writing on the wall with the acquisition by Nvidia of ARM. ARM had already started um, raising its licensing fees, which basically led to believe that they were like in the death throes of what they could do with the ARM architecture. So it's best to just sell out. People were already starting to experiment with Risk Five. Um, a lot of people are probably going to start moving to Risk Five if ARM continues to be unencumbered. But what you want to do is you want to be. Someone once told me, like a, a great analogy, when they talked about the 49ers uh, of, of the California Gold Rush. Who got rich in the California Gold Rush? Who got rich? People who made picks. No one, actually. The people who sold picks, shovels, and jeans, right? Um, yeah, Levi yeah. Strauss. Um, yep. So I think in the I think Intel is embracing the picks and shovels model. I mean, they still have their business. They're still the largest PC chip manufacturer on the planet, but they. They, it's obviously the last couple of years where they've kind of stumbled and AMS, AMD is kind of caught up a little bit. They're starting to realize like, all right, well, look, you know, we're, we're not going to compete on um, trying to shrink the chips. We can compete on other things, right? X86 is still um, the rock solid architecture. Hell, AMD licenses a lot of X86 or uses a lot of X86 architectures anyway. So the simple fact of the matter is let's get into the business of stamping out chips for everybody. And I think this is kind of a good move. Will it work? I don't know. Depends on execution. You know, anytime you look at a company that genericizes some of the stuff that they're doing to make it more fitting, uh, I can see why it would work. I can see how this would, uh, this would make them, um, 
I, I, I don't know. Is it a question of scale? Is it a question of just broadening your abilities or your, your, uh, your offerings? But I, I think it can work. I, th- I think this is a smart move by them. And it's also a very advantageous move for them because with the panic and hysteria about the chip shortages that we have, um, oh yeah, the yeah. Industry, it makes sense to be shown to invest twenty billion dollars in a domestic chip fab here in the United States of America, because the Biden administration basically signed an executive order within its first got twenty thirty days about hey let's let's investigate why. You know, we're dealing with these chip shortages and stuff like that. Well, the chip shortage is real, fam. Um, And it has a lot to do with a couple of issues, particularly with, in this instance, Taiwan Semiconductor on the other side of the planet. So apparently on an island, Taiwan Semiconductor managed to build its the largest chip fab on the planet on the dry side of the island. And so there's a 67-year drought that's uh, that's going on right now that is unprecedented. They're having to scale back their chip production. They say that they man- they uh, recycle 86% of their water use, but they still use 45 million gallons of water a day at their fab. It's so bad in that region of Taiwan that they're in because of this drought that they're trucking in water to keep the facility running. But people who live in that region may have their water cut off once or twice a week um, because it's that bad of a drought. So that has greatly curtailed and slowed down chip manufacturing and and production. You couple that with some mysterious fires at, at two fabs in Japan that basically supply automakers with chips And now you're having like a lot of industries hit really, really hard with it. And you have with the COVID-19 being kind of the first punch that it got. Now you're having this shortage going on. And now we're starting to notice that our supply chains are a lot more fragile than we would like them to be, which is why you have the federal government thinking that maybe it should investigate providing more subsidies to chip manufacturers here so that we can manufacture more chips here. Which that's always Federal, fraught with yeah, like positivity. That's, yeah, that's going to fix the problem tomorrow, in my opinion. That ain't going to fix anything. Yeah, I know exactly. It's funny. Well, first of all, right, we had this discussion pre-show where it's just like, hey, so some of the largest chip fabs we have in the United States currently are in like the most arid region of the country. Mine. There is a giant fab here in, in Intel, uh, here in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. There, in Chandler, Arizona, and like a bunch of other places in Arizona, there's like massive fabs. I think Taiwan Semiconductor has a fab there. I think Samsung has a small fab there. Intel has a large fab there. I think, I think a lot of people have fabs in southern Arizona, the most arid place you could possibly imagine. And the new manufacturing and the up-to-date manufacturing processes. Why are they, you know, lithography use a ton of water, a ton more water than previous generations of lithography. If Taiwan. Um, Okay. So here's my, here's my, here's, here's my question. If water's the question and being on an Island isn't a big deal, why aren't we doing this on like Kauai that gets 400 inches of rain a year? 
I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm ignorant. I don't understand how. Well, maybe your federal government, maybe your malevolent federal government will throw throw billions of dollars at building a like a fab on Kauai. Or it'd be a dumb idea, idea, but (laughs) from a logistical standpoint, I just I I, I don't I don't understand how. I don't know. I mean, if you need forty five million gallons of water a day to run a chip manufacturing business, why are you doing it in New Mexico? Why are you doing it in Arizona? Why are you doing it in these? Why are you doing it on the driest side of a of an island? Which why? Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's kind of like, I've always I f- always found it very fascinating and weird that like it's not just because we threw subsidies at these companies either, because here's the deal. Texas is throwing subsidies at Samsung right now because Samsung is thinking about building a massive fab facility near near Austin, um, which there's no problem with water in Austin. Hell, you could pull it out of the air. Because it's so damn mm-hmm. muddy there, but right. I mean, and 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 um, I think I think even I don't know. There were some other chip manufacturers that were also wanting to build, like in in Texas. It's just a matter of who threw more money at what. It's almost like taking in F twenty two development and manufacturing, which is our fighter jet here, and and distributing it across like eighty, 80 yeah, eighty freaking congressional districts. It makes no sense to have mm-hmm. built it where it is. And here's the deal. All the federal government's going to do, because here's the deal. They're already lobbying. The, the special interest groups are already lobbying for the federal government to, at the very least, offer federal subsidies. Because here's the deal. At the state and local level, we offer subsidies all the time for, for high-tech manufacturing in a lot of places around this country, unnecessarily, in my opinion. But we do it. Um, so the semiconductor shortage problem is, is, is really twofold. It's the fact that we have consolidated our supply chains in Asia for a lot of this stuff when we really shouldn't have done so. And maybe it's because of costs and maybe it's regulatory burden. And maybe the Congress will come up with something or maybe local municipalities will come up with something that makes the regulatory burden of building these facilities not suck. That would probably help. I but doubt it. Here's the deal. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they can't help themselves. I don't understand why they can't. They can't help themselves, right? Like they'll, right. they'll, they'll throw subsidies at a company to have high-tech jobs at a particular location, but then proceed to create other regulatory like burdens and hurdles that make it like, well, that didn't make any sense. We threw money at this company. And once the company has like lived out the, has has done its obligation based on the subsidy it's handed, they, it, it hauls ass out of the state anyway. Like Intel's been downsizing the fab here in New Mexico for the last decade. And moving things to Israel, moving things to Oregon, moving things to Arizona. And that's what they've been doing. Yeah. And and partly yeah. it's because of uh and, I love uh, wait, and, by, by the way, I love how you grouped Arizona in with Israel <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> Again, another area here's the deal, both the thing about <laughs> and, 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 and uh, Israel is it's more design than it is fabrication in Israel. Um, and so, but here's the deal though, that's where the, that's where your butter's made, right? Like, because building chip fabs is very expensive. I think AMD learned this because it's so, it basically spun out its fab into, uh, global foundries is the name of the, of the company they spun out. They didn't want to deal with the cost, the, 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 the capital expenditure because it's expensive, mm. but it yeah. can be very lucrative at scale because if everyone, because everyone goes to Taiwan Semiconductor. Um, Qualcomm does. 
um, hindsight. Everything's uh, everything's lucrative at scale. I mean, if you yes, think about anything that has been able to scale, as long as your infrastructure or your you know your uh, natural resources can support it, scale is the name of the game. And that's really, yeah, that's really how you that's how you do it. That's how that's how Walmart has done it. It's how yep. Amazon is doing it. It's basically how Facebook's doing it, um, right? Like, that's how YouTube's done it. You're never, yeah, I will say this right now. At the current rate of growth, you will never build as much physical infrastructure as YouTube or Facebook, right? You you could eventually, 100%. you could catch up. Yep. But you're never you gonna can't catch up. You're never going to catch up to them. Yeah. There's so, no way. Will, will Intel catch up to Taiwan Semiconductor? No, but it can match them because Intel does have Maybe. massive yeah. infrastructure when it comes to fabbing chips. Um, but also, there's also a, a shortage in the equipment for lithography, right? Because everyone's using is everyone's moving to ultra um, extremely ultraviolet, and only there's like two companies in the world that make that type of equipment. One of them, I think, is Samsung, and the other is like some like Dutch company. And they're back ordered for like a year on equipment. Um, so we we have to definitely look at our supply chains. And I and we said this pre-COVID when we were hearing things going on in Wuhan. It's like, yo, our supply chain is going to be heavily disrupted, even if this COVID thing turns out to not be that big of a deal. Well, a year later, it turned out to be kind of a big deal. And so now we're just like, wow, our supply chains are really, really fragile. I'm learning this because I'm trying to move product from far the Far East. Um, some 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 imbecile like drew, you know, drew cock and balls in the Red Sea and then plugged up the Suez Canal. We're losing $400 million dollars a day. Gave me the greatest entertainment value I have had in the past 12 months. Our supply chains are falling apart and all, 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 all Gary can do is chuckle and collapse a I am. I, it is kind of funny. I, you know, burn it down, man. I'm laughing <laughs> to the bank. This was hilarious. Yeah. The ever given ship that drew a giant phallus and balls and a butt <laughs> on uh, yeah, the GPS. Yeah, the, yeah, the fact that there was time to draw a butt. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm going to proceed to go to the Suez Canal and then like, oops, I'm stuck. Clogs up the Suez Canal. <laughs> How hilarious is Is there any... Bringing more? half of the world's global trade to a standstill. <laughs> right? I love it. I love uh, it. Dude, so a part of me, a part of me is like, well played. Well played. Hey, you know what? <laughs> that captain. And what are they going to do? Take him to jail because he drew a dick and balls on the GPS? Or whatever? <laughs> I, I think. I think. The, I think the powers that be will suicide him for help helping them what? lose four hundred million dollars a day in trade. <laughs> that's that's. <laughs> I think that'll get him suicided more best. than just you know. <laughs> and the and. Oh, hold on. And the best they can do is send that guy with the one little bucket scoop tractor <laughs> out there to try to dig this ship out. Are you kidding me? This is the most hilarious room. thing. <laughs> this is idiocracy. We are living 
idiocracy, right? It's just like building your chip fabs in an area, in an area that probably look on the the part of Taiwan that the that Taiwan Semiconductor is located. I bet you is on the dry side of the island, which is a thing. Even in the island surrounded by water, you can be on a mountainous terrain. You can be on the dry side of an island. Yeah, no one thought to sure. build desalination. No one thought to like maybe pipe water from other locations. No one, no one thought about this stuff. And we built chip fabs here in the United States in deserts. We, we. I don't this get is it. What we do. I really. Well, I think it's because of subsidy. I really think it's because of subsidy, and I think it's because. Yeah. Intel had to get the hell out of the Bay Area because it was too expensive. You're, you know what? You're probably right. You're probably. And, and right. I think, and I think these 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 desert communities threw money at them and stuff like that. It would make more sense to build fabs in like Texas, like not on not on the part of Texas that's close to me, the part of Texas that is closest to Austin, which is again why Samsung's looking for subsidies from the state of Texas to build a fab. This is all to say that like. The market was already figuring out how to deal with this chip shortage. It basically and how and the supply chain over the last year is starting to build resilience into itself. And now our our our, our Lord and Savior, um, President uh, Joseph Rabinette Biden, signs an executive order uh, 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 um, to look into the wait, issue. Wait. What is looking into the yeah. issue going to do, bro? We know what needs to happen. We need to build more fabs. And they don't necessarily even have to be here in the United States. They just need to be somewhere else in this in the hemisphere other than Asia. That's it. It could be in Mexico. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Build them in build them in places like Guatemala and Ecuador and whatever. That way, we can stop the migrants from coming up. I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. Let's let's think outside well, the box. I, I, uh, I mean that. I, okay, uh, you know. So now you're touching on like a hundred different topics all at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, first of all, let's address one quick thing. Joe Biden isn't the one directing any of this. It's the puppet oh. masters behind him, because obviously okay. the guy is completely irrelevant. I mean, the guy, the guy's on strings. You and I both know it. Everybody knows it. Then let's call it the Biden administration going forward. Okay, to, we to, can to denote, do that. To, to denote the whole cabal and apparatus. Because, yeah, because we, we all know. Deep down, we all know it ain't Joe. It ain't <laughs> right? Joe. So, <laughs> and honestly, I feel bad for the guy. I really do because he is the the ultimate puppet for the oh ultimate. God. Yeah. I, and so you which, know what? Which, okay. which means... Here's the deal, which means, here's what that means, which means that the lobbyists are going to be able to get whatever the hell they want. We're going to get federal subsidies for these, for these, for the, for the, either the building of these fabs. So me and you yeah. need to get into the fab business, right? Well, that, that, that's what it is. Cause okay. there's going to be federal money falling from the sky. Kind of like when yeah. he was mumbling, he was mumbling and stumbling about AI and quantum computing. I hope the government <laughs> throws more money at it. Personally, you know, we'll get it to my, we'll get to my full disclosure at the toward the, the the latter topics of the program. But the simple fact of the matter is, it's like you're right. So the government's going to waste money on that. I was just throwing out suggestions as to what the administration, not necessarily Joe, but what the administration should be able to do. And but here's the deal: it's going to be a boondoggle of malinvestment that that, the, that only the government can can contrive. Yeah. 
real talk. It will be. So. It will be. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. So, all right. Next topic here. Uh, Starlink update. You know, let's do some, let's, let's let's spend some positive news here. Um, so, uh, SpaceX has been uh, kicking ass and taking initials because they ain't got time taking it, and they have launched four Starlink constell- uh, uh, forced uh, sixty satellite uh, batches into the Starlink constellation, bringing the Starlink constellation to thirteen hundred. Yep, and, and Dish and, and, is and, and, taking and, note. Have you have you noticed this uh, Dish? What what AT and T Dish? Well, the- yeah, they're taking note. It's funny because Dish actually has lots. I don't know if they have KA or KU band, but they do have lots of frequency um, um, spectrum um, because they wanted to offer Internet. I don't think they wanted to offer it over from space or whatever, but I think they wanted to offer Internet and stuff. Everyone's getting into it. So you remember OneWeb? So OneWeb was the company that was competing as well. They went bankrupt in uh, toward the beginning, I think, of 2020. And they wanted to put their own constellation in orbit, as well as Amazon, which, you know, we don't know where they stand right now. Uh, they haven't launched, they have yet to launch anything into space right now. Right. So OneWeb already has 148 satellites of their 648 satellite constellation that they're putting up. So the space-space internet race is heating up, um, which is only good for society, only good for us. It sh- it'll suck for astronomers, but um, get over it, man. Progress. Um well, Hashtag we'll have progress. more space. We'll have more space telescopes. It'll be fine. I, yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. There's already one. There's already a ten billion dollar one that's that's slated to be launched here toward the end of the decade. That's gonna. I think they're supposed to put it in higher orbit, and it's supposed to look out. And so we're gonna have the capability going forward. But look, there, I uh, I posted a story also in the show notes of um, a local Iowa do uh, uh, user of the Starlink network who saw the network slowly increase because they're at the um, long- longitude or latitude there in Iowa where they actually can see in the night sky, they can actually see the constellation training across their, their skies at night, which is f- freaking cool That's in, a, in a way. Um, yeah, they didn't know what the hell it was when they first, because I was reading the story and listening to this report from Iowa, and they didn't know what the hell it was. They was like, what the hell is this? And then they, they looked, up, looked it up and like, oh, crap, it's this, this constellation. And, it, and, and literally they had video of these satellites in a, like a train. And it's like a string of lights across the <laughs> wow. sky. It's kind of cra- crazy. And so they're, uh, one of these people who they interviewed Started out with 50 megabits, then 100 megabits. And he says he gets 300 megabits. And he's just like, I'm watching Netflix finally for the first time ever living in rural Iowa. And um, with the move that people are making over the next, probably in my opinion, over the next five years away from the city centers in light of what happened last year to these more rural areas where they can kind of spread out a little bit. I think things like SpaceX, um, uh, uh, Starlink, I think the Kepler network from Amazon, if that ever comes into fruition, I think um, ultimately um, good old fashioned HughesNet is still there. They're still launching satellites and, and providing rural broadband. Um, OneWeb is saying they're focusing more on business customers, but that doesn't mean that we couldn't open up our fab in, you know, Iowa and use one web's low earth orbit satellites to you know give us the communications necessary and then of course we have a three trillion dollar infrastructure 
program coming our way from the administration that's going to probably lay a little bit more fiber. Um, so the future is bright for like just the sheer amount of connectivity that we're going to have going forward. As it um, should so be. I mean, story. this is well, 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 this is Elon Musk's whole thing, right? Is internet for everybody at whatever cost it takes. I mean, well, what, what was the thing that I read earlier? Oh God. I can't remember what. Mm. Okay. Scratch that whole thing. I don't remember what it was that I read, but basically what it was, was it was a, it was a determination that no matter where you are, no matter what you are, no matter who you are, you will have internet access and it will be global. It will be at this point, private, you know, who knows what the governments will draw into it, but yeah, I think so. It's going to be, I think, and it's going to be ubiquitous enough, I think to, to, to satisfy the masses and stuff like that. So big up once again to SpaceX um hopefully they their their latest um starship test goes better the last one actually went not that bad it landed it just exploded but 10 minutes oh sn SN 10 10 yeah sn 10 that was great i loved it was great when it landed yeah it was i I felt proud i cried a little bit but then exploded like yeah well (laughs) maybe maybe next time well you know i've been (laughs) i've been watching the i've been watching sn 11 and they're it seems like they're taking a little bit more of a cautious approach to it this time. Okay. Um, Good. They did now yesterday on, this was the 26th. They did, they did a static fire, which was supposed to be followed by a launch test and all that. Uh, They aborted the launch test because they needed quote unquote uh, additional diligence or something silly. The bottom line is, yeah, they're moving fast. They're trying to move fast, break things as we've discussed in the past. But at the same time, I think 11 is kind of their last hurrah for this iteration of starship and this iteration of this, this plan that, you know, when we talk about, I think 15 is the next one because they skipped 12 through 14. Uh, and I think yeah. 15 is the next one. So their whole plan is, you know, 15 is the next iteration, which is going to be the this big upgrade or whatever. And uh, they, they want to make sure 11 works. Right, because they're also ready to do the heavy booster test. Um, which is the thing that's supposed to strap to the bottom of these starships to give them the lift capability. That's the that one that thing, all the Raptor engines. <clears throat> that thing looks insane. Have you seen yeah. the picture? How many Raptor engines is this thing supposed to have? It's supposed to have like 10 30, or 12 Raptor. No, no. 30, like 36 or something crazy. Raptor engines. That's nuts. Yes. And the beautiful thing is if they ever got that, if they get Starship working with its heavy... With, because if it's a heavy lift vehicle, th- I think they're saying they could launch 600 or less Starlings at a time, which yeah, would boost the constellation it. 
extremely quickly. So if I like, I would, I'm not near, I'm not a, I'm not nearly the Tesla skeptic, skeptic as I used to be. But if there were ever an opportunity to invest early in a, a SpaceX IPO and hold for the long haul, that I think that business, I think is one in 20 years, we'll look back and be like, that changed the world more than the ability to drive a, a car, a, a car on a giant heavy ass battery. Um, I believe to change it will. Things. Right? And I, and I, and I definitely believe it will. Well, speaking of things that are, that are slowly changing the world, you remember WeWork? Remember WeWork? I remember WeWork. I remember I'll go WeWork. Rent a I little, remember I'm going to go rent a little office from you. Remember rent a little space from you, man. WeWork was supposed to be, was the future. They were supposed to go um, public in 2019. A scandal broke because everyone realized that they were just a giant real estate investment trust <laughs> that happened to use some technology. And so they plummeted in um, in size. They got rid of like uh, like sixty seven percent of their workforce. They just fought, they, they, the CEO was found to be crazy. And, and and so at the end of the day, everybody looked at their like IPO filing. And it's just like wow, that sucks. They're going public. They may go public yet again, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to take a second stab at the apple, and they're going to do that second stab at the apple using. Our favorite new tool that is ushering in the dot-com bubble 2.0. And that is a special purpose acquisition company, also known as a blank check company. It's a shell corporation that lists on the public stock exchange for the purposes of acquiring private companies, thus making that public, that private company public. And basically kind of short-circuiting the traditional IPO route. So WeWork is going to probably go uh, to market with a SPAC, um, and mm. it will probably be valued at, uh, looking at this, uh, I think it's not saying what they're going to be valued at, but here's the deal. You know it's a good SPAC, ladies and gentlemen, because it is backed by NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Shaq damn. As a I'm SPAC. In. Oh, I'm in, right? Um, so Shaq think... the Spack. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a broader discussion to have about SPACs in general. And this is where I get into my disclosure. So apparently it's going, I think um, it's looking like it's going to go to market, go to market or go public at a $9 billion valuation as opposed to the lofty 40 some odd billion dollar valuation that it originally got. Um, so there's been this, um, flurry of activity. Actually, I should probably give out the stock symbol for that SPAC in question. The, I think it's called the, I'm not buying it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy a share to save my life. Uh, it's called the BoX uh, um, acquisition company. And I think, I, I assume it trades on, um, one of the stock exchanges, not investment advice, guys. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with it. Just me. Just because you know NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal happens to be on uh, one of the members of the SPAC. We work. We work is not necessarily. We and we had this discussion when it imploded. It's not necessarily a bad idea. It maybe was kind of too much of a lofty company in in its idea, but this is goes to show you the. 
the craziness that is these special purpose acquisition companies. I think honestly, we work really tried. They tried to establish a cultural change that you can't do in more than in less than three generations. Right. When you try to inject a concept like we work into something immediately to be disruptive or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't work. It doesn't last. People will latch onto it initially and then they will fall back out of it onto more traditional methods because guess what? The rest of the country, the rest of society has not caught up to that. And if I need office space, I can go rent it from some little industrial place up the street for $500 a month or whatever. Yeah. The, the, the problem with WeWork is you could, re- you could easily replicate their, 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 their easily, business. Easily. Easily. And, you know, they, they, they tried to make this culturally disruptive thing, which great, you know, more power to them. Hope it works. Can you didn't work. what would have happened if they would if their IPO was actually successful and then 2020 happened? Do you under oh, man. that company oh, would have oh. gone? Are you under kidding me? Immediately. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't have worked so, yeah. at all. It, it, it would have look, I know what they were moving toward. I think their valuation was partially retarded, but I think I could see what they were doing. I could see what they were trying to build, but ultimately you're right. 2020 happened and it would mm-hmm. have just fell completely apart. Um, well, but the I'm fact of the matter is though, they're taking a second stab at the Apple because of these specs and these specs. Now we're getting to frothy valuations specs. These, these current, this next generation of specs are scams. That's a, I mean, that's a blunt way of putting it. And you need to be ultra careful for those of you who are even investing in these SPACs, myself included. Full disclosure, I've invested in one SPAC that is going to take my my favorite, for those of you who are avid listeners, to thank you for your service. Quantum computing is my jam, right? I've been a nerd, I've been nerding out on quantum computing and I've been studying its ins and outs and its progress over the last 10 plus years. Um, a company based out of research from professors out of my alma mater of University of Maryland by the name of IonQ have been in this has been this private funded startup for the last seven years. They are the ones who are the target of one of these special purpose acquisition companies, and they will go to market at a two billion dollar valuation. They make no money. They have a product, but they make no money. And it's R&D. It's a science experiment looking for problems. Yeah, you're not you're you're not bubble 2.0. You're not getting me to put my money in that. I'm sorry. I I, I'm 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 a little bit in, but not enough to like I'm not I'm not selling my house to buy Bitcoin, right? I mean, I'm not that guy. Um but I'm playing the mania because I see what's happening. Right? You you think think of it like this. You got WeWork going public at a $9 billion valuation, possibly, right? That's going to pop because typically, traditionally, these SPACs come to market at a, t- at, at, a, at a par value of 
for the public of $10 a share. The par value for people who actually create the SPAC is like 0.001 cent. It's nothing. So once the SPAC right. even goes public, you you almost a thousand extra money, right? Um, right? And then it goes up. So for instance, CCIV. CCIV is another blank check company. It is in late stage negotiations to merge to acquire and or merge with Lucid Motors. Lucid Motors is supposed to be the next Tesla killer, just like Nikola. <laughs> yeah. Those, um, yeah. Okay. You know, and as we discussed in pre-show, Lucid Motors is in the EV game, right? Quote, unquote. What they're mm-hmm. really in is in the subsidy game. A hundred percent this is their business model because yes you know the what people don't understand is subsidies are traded on the market just like anything else that you can trade so if chrysler or dodge decides okay you know what we're going to create a bunch of 700 horsepower vehicles that get 10 miles to the gallon, which is true, right? They still are required to satisfy certain numbers with the federal government in the form of carbon credits, right? Mm-hmm. That's how so Tesla makes the plurality of their money. So this is how Tesla makes their money. They sell or they loan their carbon credits to companies like Dodge, Ford, whatever, so that those companies can meet their carbon credit or carbon neutral. What I don't even know what the word is these days because, well, they just make them let up. me introduce you to ESG. Just think about that going forward. But uh, you're right, they're but here's the deal these companies are going public and lucid has pre-orders lucid has some pretty good motor uh, uh electric motor technology but it makes it has a, even has capital investment in the form of a factory in arizona but it is sold and delivered nothing i repeat nothing totally Same thing conceptual ionq Ion has a quantum computer that you can experiment with over using amazon aws bracket or Azure stack, whatever. But it, even though you can interact with this device, it's not solving any real problems. And another example of a SPAC that makes no sense on top of WeWork is a, a company called QuantumScape, which makes solid state batteries. It is, is surviving off of the mania of EVs and the fact that we need better batteries. They've come up with some pretty clever technology Volkswagen has been giving them money for, God, I guess almost a decade now. These companies have been R&D projects for a decade. And now they're going public. QuantumScape, who has no product, just intellectual property and a prototype, and backing from big VC firms and banks and a giant automaker. I think, I think Volkswagen is the largest automaker on the planet. They are. They went public and have nothing to show for what they've done. They went from $10 to $15 a share of the SPAC shares to a high of 121 
They currently sit at a market mm. capitalization of $21 billion. They have nothing. That's how you should play them. You should be like, hmm, let's see what the hype is. Oh, wow, you ran up pretty high. Get out and buy warrants. Yep. That is, that is, that is, my, that is my investment advice that you should not take. This is all to say is, as I said in the pre-show, this feels like 1999. It literally feels like 1999. And for those of us who are old enough to remember 1999, there are a lot of companies that are dot, uh, xx.com, pre-revenue, the end of, you know, it's all about customer acquisition, um, the food delivery, all this stuff that is now every day. But 20 years ago was vaporware. It was hot garbage. It was a scam. Now, um, and this is so, bad for tech as a whole. So what you're saying then is if you're going to invest in any of this stuff, you either need to get out quick while the numbers are high, or you need to hold on for 20 years until it actually be- comes to fruition. Yes, that's literally what you have to do. And, and, and my advice to anyone who's sitting in these SPACs that are invested in these is EV fantasy or technology around EV or technology around machine learning and AI, because that's another one that gets thrown around a lot. AI is a very specific thing. It's machine learning is what we're, and automation is what you should be investing in. It's, it's AI is a completely different animal. It is when you take automation and machine learning and you throw even more computational power behind it, that's when you get AI. AI has a very specific definition. Just like quantum computation has a very, and quantum information has a very distinct connotation and a very distinct meaning. Yeah, but um, the problem is, is, the problem is that's not how it's marketed and that's not how it's spun. Because you need to raise... Because you need to raise money in the capital markets. If you look at the if you look at the pitch deck True. for IonQ, um, it's a first of all, it's a very beautiful pitch deck. My God, oh my my God, I got to get my power PowerPoint game up, man. They're they're pitch deck. Even I looked at QuantumScapes. I looked at this uh, Berkshire Gray is another SPAC. Um, actually, no, it's not a SPAC. R A A C is the SPAC. Uh, Berkshire Gray is a um, autonomous robotic uh, process automate kind of process automation, like uh, uh, robotic arms for fulfillment centers and stuff. I mean, you look at the pitch decks and you're like, wow, these are pretty. But then I, if I know, I know quantum computing, I know what it can and cannot do, what its promises are and are not. And you look at the pitch deck and you're just like, I don't, I, I don't, I, I, I believe where you're going, but I don't think you're going to get where you think you're going to go based on what I've seen in the pitch deck and based on what I've seen from the technology from Scott Erickson to um, Aronson to um, Peter, hell Peter Shore to a lot of these people who were the godfathers um, Preskill from uh, Calbert from Caltech. I, I follow these guys. I listen to these guys or whatever. There are always caveats when they talk about quantum information systems and processing always. And but, yeah, but you can play it. Here's if you, the you thing. Play it how you want. What's that? But here's the thing. What really matters is what gets out to the public and what gets out to the investors, which is quantum computing is 
can break codes, big, can like mine Bitcoin in your in sleep. Yeah. <laughs> better than regular computing, right? Which you and I both know that's not the case. The quantum computing and the thing that people need to understand, at least at a lay level, right, is extremely specific. And it's quantum computing is developed to solve a specific problem, not to solve a bunch of problems necessarily, right? right? That's very it's, hardware specific. It's very it's, hardware engineer specific. It's a certain, and it's only certain problem spaces that these things are good at. And we've right. discussed this over the years. And, we and have, you know, but, this, but we fight against the 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 media mechanism, right? The 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 what do you call it? The the thing out in the world that the, you know the, the, the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist, the the, the mania, the frothiness, the uh, see. What is you're it, um, much you're much better with words than I am. So, <laughs> I'm better at the words. <laughs> this is this is what I'm yeah. talking about. So you know, quantum computing, as much as it's market, I guess in a lay in a layperson's term, as much as it's marketed as something that's phenomenally better than a laptop computer, right? It takes a laptop and it makes it 10 bazillion times better, whatever. Or it takes a supercomputer and puts it to shame. That's basically right. That's the big seller. Which point. they which they say, which is true in this one circumstance, in this one right. this very specific, specific set problem. of data. Yeah made specifically to run this particular type of algorithm. And I think people need to understand that and people need to realize that you're being spun here. You're being... Even on EVs, this goes back to... Yeah, this is going back to EVs. This is going back to AI, machine learning. All these tech topics, right, that we talk about, these... You're being you're being spun a little bit like it's it's I think AI is running into the same thing, too, where it's kind of over promising. And what you get with the over promising is you get an overcorrection in ethics and AI and all that other dumb nonsense that I can't stand. It's like the AI is not even that good enough to do what you think it's supposedly doing when it comes to bias and whatever you're you're you're. The machine learning isn't there. EV is not there. Battery technology is not there. Renewables are not there. Quantum computing is not there. Photonic computing is not even fully there yet. And I think we need to, and autonomous driving is not really fully there yet either. I no, think we need to it's, it's curb. Unfortunately, we, we can't curb that enthusiasm. Um, there's this, we're now in the mania. I am now old enough to not be as caught up in the mania. I'm still kind of caught up in the mania. I'm still pretty, I read papers, uh, academic papers and stuff. And there's amazing things coming out of, of laboratories, company uh, company laboratories, um, um, academia and stuff like that when it comes to AI, machine learning, material science and stuff like that. But we are a decade away from truly realizing all these things. But these companies are going public and taking investors money like myself um with a lot of false promises 
um, or a lot of over overselling. Well, that's you, you that's know. a lot of the game. That's a lot of the game that honestly has always existed, right? It's just a little bit more pronounced in this new kind of area, right? Well, particularly when you have it, a lot of retail investors, yeah. Um, and um, I think, and then we have a different news cycle than we did back in the nineties too. Um, yep. We have different um, outlets. We have Reddit, StockTwits, Discord, um, Facebook. Um, we have financial. We have a, a, a much larger financial press, a much larger tech press. Um, and even though the tech press, in this instance, I'm thank, thankful that they are. They become straight communists and they hate everything capitalist. And so they they do have a tendency to look at a lot of these things a little bit more skeptically than they would probably in the nineties. You know, sometimes to the detriment of like actual good innovation. Um, yeah, it's a different landscape now. And the question is, when does it pop? Um, and also, most importantly, once it pops and it comes to it craters, remember the positive point of the 90s is a lot of the things that we take for granted today were things that were promised back in the you know 90s. We also built a hundred billion dollars of telecommunication infrastructure that we are taking advantage of today. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it, and it, it it goes back kind of what we're talking about, this 20-year thing, right? Like, okay. Yeah. You know, 20 years from now, it, it, you're either investing for the short term or you're investing for 20 years, period. And that's, the I think, the healthiest way to look at it. Yeah. Like, say, quantum computing, come back in 2025. And I'm telling you, it, it it will start to deliver on some of the promises. But I, I mean, how generically, right? That's the thing. Yeah, that's really true. Same thing with uh, AGI and will the machines take over and murder us? No, we'll have self-driving vehicles by 2025. <laughs> we'll have you. We'll have ubiquity and internet from the sky from wherever in 2025. We'll have synthetic meats we'll have better crispr we'll have better therapeutics we'll have all these better things but the question is how much malinvestment are we going to have to deal with over the next year until this actually pops right and this will pop yeah so well on a, all right so not to end on a terrible note guys but that uh, that's no, been that's a great a, addition that's fine it's a great note to end on. <laughs> i guess it's not that bad right uh or, yeah. yeah take our advice uh if you're gonna mess with specs specs um get in get out make your money and start a business <laughs> totally and uh totally. and that's it man so I, I don't know man anything else you want to uh, dig into plug and talk about man this has been a no you know i i'm at a marathon edition thank you for your service yeah <laughs> i'm at beer for liberty on uh twitter i i share random stuff now and then so uh probably a family rant mainly ranting about living in california <laughs> mostly <laughs> Mostly yeah. in California. Occasionally stuff about beer. So hey, so we, should, we should probably we yeah, we should probably do a podcast with the manager Dan here and talk beer. That's what we need. We need a we need a beer podcast where we just talk about beer. I I'm totally down. I I would I, you, 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 I've gotten the complaints that I don't talk enough during the podcast and I don't speak, you, you know, over talk I more. I should. I don't, you get me talking about beer, I guarantee you, I will bore the crap out of you. 
All right. That's good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then we will. We will. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that has been another edition of Thank You for Your Service. Thank you for logging on. And with no further ado, I think we can call this good.